You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Book Informer Podcast, issue 153. It is our last show of the year after taking our week off for Christmas. And all the time we've been doing this podcast, Roger, I always bring up comics that you're not even remotely interested in. So basically, I just have to force you to read them. And in all the times I've done that, have you ever ended up liking one of them? Oh, way to put me on the spot. <laughs> Honestly, I, there, there have been some that have been... I've enjoyed. I haven't been that bad. I've liked some of what you've recommended. Uh, there's just between recommending and basically forcing you to read it by putting it in the show notes. What's the last one you made me read? I can't remember now. Now, in, in all fairness, a lot of those are ones that I go into knowing are completely You just bad. want just to bring because... up the worst in me is what it boils down to. You can't pin that on me saying, you bastard, you never like anything I recommend. And what you're recommending is, you know, crap on a stick. <laughs> Because I judge from your Twitter post earlier this afternoon, you were not a fan of today's comic. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. I love the comic books you made me read. Okay. <laughs> so I, I've talked about this a few times in what we're reading, so I figured, hey, you know what? Let's just have an episode about it. And that is the recent Deadpool story arc, uh, ranging from issues 15 to 19, titled The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, uh, which teams up Deadpool with Captain America and Wolverine. Uh, it's written by Brian Posehn and Jerry Dugan, and art by Declan Shalvey and Jordi Belair. And I'm going to start off like, I really actually did enjoy the art uh, on this story arc. Uh, Shalvey, we haven't seen a whole lot of so far. Like, he really first uh, drew my attention he did a couple issue of issues of Thunderbolts with Jeff Parker. Really liked those. And he's got a huge comic coming up. He's like drawing the new Moon Knight written by Warren Ellis, which I'm really hyped for. And Jordi Belair is just a colorist extraordinaire. Uh, we saw him most recently. He does the colors on Pretty Deadly. And I just really like Shalvi's style for certain comics. Obviously, it's not something that's going to work everywhere. But I don't want to go so far as to call it minimalist, but it's it's not very flashy. And I think when you pair him up with Blair and the muted colors he used in a lot of this. I think the overall artifact, I really enjoyed uh, all, all five of these issues. I liked how they looked. We're not talking about the same comic books. You told me to get caught up on Invincible and that we were doing Invincible this episode. So I read no, from I didn't. 100 to 107 of Invincible. The you artwork in Invincible said, yeah, is you need to catch up. fantastic. It's really, really quite good. I was very impressed. But then Ryan Oddly, always fantastic stuff. Are you screwing with me? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you even read the comics? <laughs> when you're ready. Oh, no, no. When you're ready, go ahead. I don't know how to proceed at this point. <laughs> I'm missing a few variables in our equation at the moment. 
let me help you out. So after all the stuff with the devil source, then after that, he is forced to work for, for the government again. So there's that going on. And then there's stuff with his girlfriend and how she gets pregnant, which is very cool, but she can't use her powers because if she does, it drains the life from the baby. So they have to be careful. And then there's all the stuff with his father and Thrag, which was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And this was uh, when they did the, the whole thing with Angstrom coming back, right? With who? The the, the multiple dimension portal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he came back. Yeah, when he, when but he attacked Eve. He wasn't there oh. that that long, though. He wasn't no, in too it, much. It, it, it but be- still, that, that whole scene with him and Eve, oh, and yeah. how that all played out was ridiculous. But see, he was never really a character that I was that fond of. No, but he's one of those guys that pops up every now and then yeah. and actually does represent a threat to mark not necessarily on a physical level but well it see and here's where it fell into kind of a, an old trope cliche that we've seen time and time again where he gets away but instead of just letting it go mark has to constantly be worried about when he's going to come back and do him mm-hmm. harm or him and eve so it's he, he's constantly wanting to to go after him in this other dimension even though Eve is like begging him to let it go. It's, I, again, it's, it's, it was, it was well done, but it was still falling enough on a cliche and it's still going on that it kind of reminded me of the walking dead Kirkman's falling again on cliches. And it's almost as if like, as much as I've enjoyed these issues, it still feels very much like, oh crap, tell me he's not falling into the same pattern as he did with The Walking Dead after their 100th issue. Because it mm-hmm. kind of feels that way at points where it's it's become a little bit too cliche, a little bit too um, safe. Even though in terms of what's going on in the stories, no, not safe. But in terms of the writing, yeah. Like some of the stuff is cool, like with the robot dude and whatnot and them coming to terms with it. And then the, the, again, the father figuring out that he's the lost heir again. Okay. Well, it was no big surprise and it certainly the writing was on the wall for that issue. But a lot of the stuff still is, I I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going to go because it is falling on certain tropes that it's like, ah, come on, you can do better. You you've been doing better with this. Yeah, I mean, I can see that now that you're pointing it out. It's just one of those things where, see, Walking Dead wasn't a very enjoyable comic to begin with. You know, it was something that you read and you hated yourself for reading it because horrible things were happening to these people. So when it kind of turned, it just went from, you know, that horror, that dread to just boring. Whereas at least when Invincible was taking, you know, perhaps a slight downtrend in its story pacing and and quality, it's still really fun. So at least for me, I was having... Not honestly, not even until you really pointed it out, noticing that, you know, yeah, these kind of falling back into some old habits because it was still a very enjoyable read every month. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where because of the 100 issues before that, the pedigree of those 100 issues and just how highly we thought of it, some of that carries forward. And also because of the strength of the characters, in all honesty, The Walking Dead used to have that. But to say that it still Once does. Once they killed them all off. <laughs> yeah, it, it. I don't feel that it does anymore. I mean, even Michonne is boring as hell in the 
The Walking Dead now and and a lot of the other characters as well. Whereas this, the characters still push it through. Like when you're looking at the story, and I can't remember her name, Robot's girlfriend, the one that ages back. Yeah, exactly. Um, When you're looking at this stuff with her child, I was going to go quote unquote, but it's not, it's her child (laughs) that's being held prisoner. And then they're talking about what was happening on the, in that other dimension and whatnot and what robot dude was doing there. I want more of that. Yeah. Going back, God, from whenever they finally came back to, you know, the, the invincible dimension, the two of them, that's been my favorite ongoing oh, yeah. storyline in the comic ever since. Like I, I still want to go back and keep reading more about the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like what they're doing here. It, Again, falling on some cliches of, oh, you thought you knew what he was doing, but you really didn't. Whatever. But that relationship between her and her child and the fact that the child is being held because Lord knows what would happen to him if he got out kind of thing, which, you know, eventually he will because it's invincible. (laughs) But everything that's going on between those three especially, wow, I want to read a crap ton more of that. And... Again, when you you look at, and see, this is why they have the Invincible Universe stuff, so that we can see more of these characters instead of putting it in here. But when you look at what's going on with Mark here, the stuff with Eve and Eve being pregnant and then having to deal with his parents, again, there's nothing really that is screaming originality or stuff that we care that much about. And then, of course, they have to introduce the mandatory, oh, somebody's going to make a pass at him and then he's going to eventually maybe be considering that while his wife's pregnant and all that is the stuff with him is nearly as interesting as everything else that's going on in the series. Yeah. Supporting cast continues to carry that entire line. Yeah, definitely. All right. So we're going to move on to what we're reading then. I thought we were doing something else. Now we're about out of time. I think (laughs) we can make it longer. It's the last one. I don't know. Did you read it? Of course I read it. What were your thoughts? <laughs> You're testing me now. Because Did he clearly... really read it? <laughs> I didn't realize I would have to give a quiz. <laughs> um, okay. Honestly, I liked some of it. I, okay. I enjoyed some of it, though definitely not all. Part of what I, part of what I didn't like was the stupidity with the woman he's sharing his brain with. I know that that's hanging on from backstory, and they're they're doing something with that kind of thing. Obviously, going from the the ending of this, but it took away from the story for me. It took away a lot from the story because when you're looking at what the story is and the the importance of him potentially having a child then and losing said child and not really having ever gotten the chance to, to know her. It, it It's far too much like the Wolverine stuff that we've seen not that long ago where he was killing off his kids kind of thing. Um, but still the potential was there for a character that is such a goofball to actually have some dramatic moments. But it's as if they felt the need to insert this stupid mind sharing thing just as a way to tone it down and, and ease the tension. And I was like, don't ease the tension. 
we need that drama in this because when you're looking at the basis of the story of this, you know, person, evil entity who wants to save their sibling. Well, again, my God, how many times have we seen a story like this? This is not original in Mm -hmm. the least. So the story is all that matters is this relationship between him and and Logan and, and Steve and them working together and, and the mandatory using current bad guys, which they don't name them, but they, except in rude comments, um, and the North Korea stuff. But like, I mean, again, by inserting that stupidity with the mind sharing stuff, it took away so much. I can see that. So I, I, I think I, I can understand that it's kind of, there has to be a certain amount of levity in a Deadpool comic. Otherwise, they're going to lose their core fan base. So it's a very difficult balance to maintain to try and do a good Deadpool comic because it, it, if, if it becomes too serious, you're going to have a lot of people who just aren't going to like it. And those are the people who have been buying it for the last you know 20 years. For five so, issues, though? You're telling me that for five issues, looking at the severity of what is going on here that they couldn't have been more serious just for one story arc. I mean, I'm with you. I would prefer to see it that way, but I I'm, I'm kind of looking bigger picture here yeah. because I mean, I think if they'd toned down on the whole, uh, you know, voice in the head thing, which is something that, Trust me, if you remember some of those other Deadpool comics from a few years ago, they have toned that down significantly to get it to this point. Uh, there, there were some great comedy moments in here, though. Like, um, was it when, uh, when Deadpool first rescues Captain America and Wolverine, and he's there with a uh, Korean Nightcrawler? And he's like, your friends can stay here if they don't, ha- if they don't have the will to fight. Yeah. And they both stare him down, and the voice in his head goes, oh, there's about to be another dead Nightcrawler. Yeah. <laughs> like there, there, were there were some few. great comedy beats that. in here to, that uh, really did break it up at needed points. So, I mean, I it didn't really bother me that much, but I, it's 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 part of the ongoing storyline. It kind of just had to be there. It, I can understand why you didn't like it, though. And again, it's maybe not remove it entirely, but there was just too much of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, when your panels are just full of monologuing between these two people in his head. It was like, okay, enough's enough. It was just way too much. And that's a storytelling problem from the writer when it's just, you have to, again, have this constant monologue to explain to people everything that's happening instead of letting the story actually demonstrate that show what's happening. Mm -hmm. I, I gotcha. And also the fact that this, in my opinion, did not need to be a five- issue story arc break it down to its core components three three would have been tight fast none of this extra crap that slowed down the story not as much of the monologuing stupidity i think it would have been way better because at points this drags okay i mean i'm trying to to envision it but i said i i was very pleased with this because i came in See, here's my thing with Deadpool. I wouldn't call myself a Deadpool fan. Like, I 
didn't read Deadpool back in the 90s. It wasn't until years later uh, when, you know, a friend let me borrow some of his old paperbacks and stuff and read some of the really good Deadpool stories from, you know, back in the day. I realized that there the potential that the character does have, you know, some of the Joe Kelly issues. I think Mark Wade did a brief run with Deadpool. I actually heard a story about that, that when Mark Wade uh, signed on to the comic, he didn't know who he was writing. <laughs> and then when he actually saw what, what he'd uh, saddled himself with, he didn't want to do it, but he did it anyway. <laughs> um, but I understand that he's an immensely popular character. I just look at all the you know the variant covers he gets. The fact that the god awful Danny Way issues were still among Marvel's best sellers when they were out, and a lot of like true Deadpool fans you know that read the those good comics back in the nineties hated the Danny Way stuff. So <laughs> they're trying to keep the modern fans on board, bring back the older fans, and even try and capture you know some newer ones. So. I'm like I said, I'm not a Deadpool fan, but I do appreciate that they're trying to take a character as popular as Deadpool and where they could just crank out the crappy slapstick comics over and over again. And they're trying to make him good again, trying to make him serious. Kind of what we saw with uh, Uncanny X-Force really showed the depth that that character can offer. And that's what I liked about this. It showed what a Deadpool comic can and probably should be has a lot to his character, but you can have the funny moments. And because, again, I didn't, f- I didn't find that that was what was holding it back quite as much because mm-hmm. the humor was toned way down for this because I did read the first few issues of this run. Um, and, and some of it was all right. Some of it was God awful. It, it was fun but, up until a point And then you're like, Oh, it's, oh, yeah. yeah. But, and, and I understand that, that is a large part of what defines that character. And I understand that there's people who love that type of slapstick comedy. More power to them. That's not what I like as much, and it's highly subjective. The other Mm -hmm. thing, too, is it's insanely difficult to write really good comedy. It's, It's not easy at all. So it's not like I'm looking at this thing, I can do better. No, 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 no. <laughs> I understand that it, it's a hell of a challenge. So the, the, my, my problems with the issue weren't just the, 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 the comedy. I've, the problems I had were more, again, with just the manner in which the story was told and, and cliches that it relied on and, and tropes and, and the narrative problems and whatnot. Yeah, see. And, and I'm also, you know, more big picture Deadpool was such a throwaway character for so many years. He bounced around from writer to writer to writer. And each writer brought a wildly different interpretation of the character. Like, you know, we see that, of course. That's one of the things that makes comics so interesting. Different writers have different takes and, you know, establish different things into the shared continuity. But Deadpool was a mess. Like, (laughs) for a character that hasn't been around that long... Dude had like four origin stories that didn't relate to each other in the least bit. So you can see some of that here where they're trying to make sense out of that complicated history that doesn't doesn't add up with the whole memory wiping and implanted memories. Kind of a Wolverine thing, but you know, they're playing the hand they're dealt at this point. Is that they're trying to take this character and make him better. I can appreciate that. And one of the things that made a lot of those older Deadpool comics pretty good was, you know, Deadpool's not a hero. He's a mercenary. He's, he murders people for a living. That's what he does. And 
in recent years, he was just, you know, the guy that killed people and was funny that while he did it, he wasn't a very heroic character. What made those older ones interesting was he had a thing for Siren from the New Mutants, but realized that the person he was wasn't worthy of dating basically an X-Man. So he was trying to make himself a better person to be worthy of uh, Siren. And I'm really hoping that's where they're going with the whole daughter thing, where if she eventually enters the picture, it makes Wade himself a better person. So he's not just a murderer who happens to have his own comic book. I mean, really, the Punisher's got that market cornered. So I said, if if everything they're doing is to take Deadpool and make him into a more well-rounded character, I'm 100% all for it, though. Yeah, yeah. And and again, it's a if they can they can still have insanely good story arcs with him, come into terms with who he is and everything that's happened to him and and all that, and still insert comedy without being the kind of comedy that just you're like facepalm after facepalm after every page turn. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a choice. Some people like the what they're doing now. So more power to them. But I mean, just look at, and again, we've seen this, the fastball special, how many freaking times, all the freaking time, but they managed to make it funny here. Mm -hmm. So you can have something that's not just, you know, that still has a modicum of intelligence and, and comes off great in the story and, and, and works as part of the story. And it's still a throwback to things that you've read in other issues. Right. I just want to see Jerry Dugan write an actual Captain America comic now. Hey, come on. The scene where he's just standing there with the entire North Korean army staring at him. I loved it. (laughs) All right. Uh, I guess now we're going to move on to what we're reading. Are you okay with that? Or do you want to keep talking about Deadpool? No. No. (laughs) Okay. Now, here's what's interesting. When I was writing out the show notes and I went to put in what we're reading, I know I've read a bunch of comics over the last couple weeks. I've looked over the ones I've read. Honestly, I can't remember a single thing that happened in most of them. Well, I got a crap load. (laughs) I think part of that is, you know, Christmas fog because I'm working in retail and I'm exhausted. (laughs) I was just looking at the pretty pictures and turning pages at points. (laughs) But also, and there's just a lot of comics that I'm really enjoying that are all kind of right in the middle of ongoing story arcs. There isn't a whole lot to really talk about right now. However, uh, I read the Thunderbolts annual that came out a couple weeks ago. This was a blast. It was a different creative team from the, from the ongoing, but that's okay. And it shows really the incredible array of stories. You can tell with the cast that's assembled here once you actually have good talent on there. This was overall a bit more of a comedy than you know, what we would expect from the traditional Thunderbolts. But I, still, I, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. A lot of action. Uh, basically, Doctor Strange has gone up the river. He, he's off the reservation at this point. So the Thunderbolts are tasked with bringing him in. But none of them really have a whole lot of experience with taking down a magical enemy. So most of the issue is just the group of them basically raiding various <laughs> supernatural-themed heroes and villains and taking their arsenals with them. At one point, you have, you know, when they're going after Doctor Strange, they have all this regalia about them. They're all riding Ghost Rider motorcycles into the battle. It's, it was just a big, fun comic. I really enjoyed it. And Uncanny Avengers, have you been keeping up with that at all? No, I haven't, actually. My God, Remender has lost his freaking mind. 
we're, I think, issue 15 into a storyline that's basically, I think he said, running until issue 34. Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's that Remender-Hickman thing of just keep up with it. And, and the payoff is going to be there. And we've had multiple smaller payoffs up until this point. But just looking at the huge breadth of the story that Remender is telling in this comic, I, I've really, really come to appreciate these huge long-form story arcs in the last couple of years, basically since I started reading the Hickman Fantastic Four stuff. And it really makes me appreciate how even in a monthly publication, you're able to do this huge, incredibly complex story with a bunch of moving pieces and have it make sense and still work mostly month to month. It's very impressive. And that's why I'm waiting, honestly, because you're going to wait three I, years, not three years, but I'm <laughs> going to wait until there's a big stack and literally then just go through them all. And then it's like, okay, because month to month with his work, it's for the most part, I, I just can't do it. Hmm. Okay. And then since that's really all I could remember, <laughs> I just wanted to throw in there. I started playing the Lego Marvel superheroes game. Oh, isn't it awesome? Oh, my God. Lego Hulk rampages are among the greatest things ever. <laughs> I picked it up for PS4 when we picked up uh, the console and we've been playing it, my son and I. It's been a blast. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's great. Kids can play it. Kids can love it. Any comic fan can pick it up, have a blast. And all the obscure little characters they've shown there, all these little nods, all longtime comic fans, the, there's an almost endless amount of things to enjoy in here. And I'm going to be playing this game forever, unlocking as much stuff as I can because it's an absolute blast. And you have to look at every single billboard in the city. Oh, yeah. There's something on it that's a throwback to, again, something you've read. Mm-hmm. So that's really all I had this week. Okay. Well, hi. Have a lot more, <laughs> but I'll go through them quickly. I'm have sure you, you'll, you'll you'll jog my memory on some. <laughs> have you been reading the 700 point for Amazing Spider-Man? I actually haven't. No, don't bother. Because okay. honestly, one of them is a typical Peter story, saving everybody in a storm to get to Aunt May and save her. The power's out, and then he does everything and finally crashes. It was that was the point two complete throwaway story. The point three one was interesting. I'm not going to say good but it was interesting because he gets burnt up like third degree burns over all of his body and you find out that there's this underground hospital trauma center for villains and they get whisked away before the cops and the ambulance show up at crime scenes and then get worked on and stay at this underground hospital to heal. So he's got bandages over all of his body because he's been burned so bad. He heals quickly because of who he is. And then he's in like the recovery room with other villains <laughs> who are recovering from battles with other people and whatnot. And then eventually obviously gets out, but, or actually, no, the, the, so far he hasn't gotten out. That was a point three. I didn't read point four. I don't even know if it's out. It was interesting, but it was like, I'm not digging these at all. It's, it's as if, again, like you were saying, like they just wanted to write Peter stuff, but it's not that they wanted to write good Peter story arcs. <laughs> it's just, let's just do an issue about how awesome he is saving New York while he freezes to death. And it's like, no, that's just, 
stupidity. Otto would have done that in half the time. Otto would have had his freaking... And had a robot bring him hot chocolate. Yeah, his, his freaking Autobots would have been taking care of everything in his dudes. Speaking of which, did you read 24 of Superior? Oh, that I did. That was awesome. So now we've got him with Venom. <laughs> because he I can't was see this a, ending poorly at all, Roger. He, he was not awesome enough. <laughs> and again, Ramos is still there for the art. Yes. So this was just beginning to end freaking awesome. And he's losing it. When you're seeing Peter with people, including with Anna Maria, and when he had, like he's like uh, damn near verbally assaulting Aunt May, <laughs> the look on his face, you forbid me. And it's like, you go, Otto. <laughs> Don't take no crap from that old Aunt May. <laughs> <laughs> and then the stuff with Carly. And that, obviously, you were wrong about Green Goblin being Yeah. Because that was such a great theory, though. It was a I, damn good theory. I will give you that. But it ain't him. So now. It, it's clearly. I mean, it has to be Norman at this point. I need to see what's going to happen with Carly because that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, I completely forgot Menace was kind of her sister. Right, yeah. Okay, smaller publisher from Dynamite, Sherlock Holmes Moriarty lives. Hmm. Did you even hear about this? Honestly, I haven't been that impressed with a lot of the stuff Dynamite's been turning oh. out lately. I've kind of just overlooked them a lot recently. Same here. But this was awesome. This is written by David Lislice and uh, illustrated by Daniel Indro. Okay, first and foremost, this art. Oh, my freaking Lord. Amazing. Like some of the pages are a little, are fairly muted, but it works with the setting. But when you're like seeing him in Moriarty, in like the tavern and whatnot, and you're seeing the the, the drawings of the, the, the people. Wow. Some of the close-ups especially. Um this was awesome. This was so freaking cool. And I can't, and it's, it's not a, a Sherlock Holmes story. It's a Moriarty story. Hmm. And it is really, really good. I, I can't wait to see where this is going to go. This is basically, he's Doc Ock. That's what it is. So is this classic Holmes? Or yes. Like- yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is not our current Moriarty. Although that would have been awesome. A little impossible, seeing as Moriarty took a bullet to the brain pan, but still, they could have found a way. <laughs> but no, this is like 1891. Okay. Um, awesome. I it's Seriously, find it, pick it up, read it. It was that good. Enjoyed it a lot. Um, what was the other one? Oh, the uh, Chew 38. Did you read it? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> And once again, much like Invincible, like we've said, supporting cast for this series is so good that they can carry an entire issue or more when Tony's busy. Tony was in a coma for six issues. Yeah. So, I mean, the the supporting cast here was phenomenal. The stuff in prison going on was just so freaking cool. I, yeah. This was great. Actually, I would I would have liked to have. They should have kept him in prison a little bit longer. Make him clean more toilets. <laughs> well, honestly, issue thirty seven was fantastic. Probably one of their best with uh, him and uh, Chow, with Antonell's ghost leading him around. Yeah. Oh my god! Did you read the letters at the end? 
with the cosplay? No. Okay, no. go back, find the issue, read the letters at the end, which shows some cosplay at the New York City Comic Con, where four people who know each other showed up as, um, okay, hold on a second, as Olive, as Tony, as Paneer, and as female Tony. And they're all in their costumes. And they did a great job. And the, the 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 girl who played female Tony has got this big, massive smile on her face all the time. <laughs> it fits exactly. But then what they were doing is that they were also taking pictures during Comic-Con in poses from various panels in the comic, which is awesome in and of itself. And then they took a picture of when Paneer... Uh, proposed to Tony and the dude was actually proposing to her. Oh, <laughs> and it was like, you win, buddy. <laughs> Way to make the rest of us look bad. You win the internet. <laughs> that was bloody freaking awesome. So props to them. Uh, have you been keeping up with the cataclysm stuff? Not particularly. Like I said, I, I, I've been reading the ultimate Spider-Man tie-ins, but right now that's about it. It's, as as long as they're doing the not galactic stuff for the most part, where it's them dealing with the people on the ground with each other and how they're going to deal with this and what they're going to do. And now realizing they need to go to the proper Marvel parallel universe to get Reed so that he can figure out what to do because he beat them the first time and they have to deal with Mysterio because he's still there from the proper I didn't realize they were still hanging on to him, but apparently they are. So they're like questioning him. It's, it's pretty freaking cool. And the hmm. fact that miles landed on Galactus <laughs> 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 and you get the rest of the team going, what the hell is he? What is he doing? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets saved by Thor. That was freaking awesome. That was freaking cool. Um, Last one. Did you read the annual for Avengers? The Christmas issue? Yes. Yes. Stupid kind of typical stuff we've seen with everybody leaves, one person stays behind, and oh, big surprise, they're all still there. Yeah. But the character they introduced, I want more of her. (laughs) Yes. I want so much more of that character. Someone who can't control all of these projections, whatever you want to call them, that are like when it's her doing Tony with the mustache and everything. (laughs) (laughs) But I want a crap load more with this character. Put her in the the X-Men as a junior character. Let Wolverine train her. Do whatever you got to do. We need to see so much more of this character. That was awesome. I agree. That was just bloody awesome. So we'll leave it at that. All right. Well, then, uh, not a whole lot to talk about with this week's new releases. No, 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 no. One more, because I have to. Have you been keeping up with X-Men Legacy? Yes. Dude, once again, does not disappoint. This has been, oh, my God. And, And also, issue 20 is quite possibly the best cover I've ever seen on a comic, period. The folded up instruction manual where it shows clipping on the various parts from different people onto 
T. David. Mm-hmm. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah. Quite possibly. I mean, honestly, you could say that about half the covers. Oh, yeah, but this, this year? This run. It's imaginative. It's cool to look at. It's freaking awesome. But this story arc is every issue is phenomenal. And see, here is where, once again, when we look at Deadpool, and I'm saying I don't like the monologuing that's going on, I don't feel it's well done, and I don't think it serves the story. Meanwhile, legacy has always been... It's almost nothing but but monologue. (laughs) But it's so well done. It is so bloody well done, exceptionally well written. He has his own language, his own... You know you're reading David Haller. It's it's not anybody else. You know, even if you know they just took the words out and put it on a blank page and you read it, you'd know who that is. And and oh my god, the stuff that's going on with him now, absorbing all of these other characters and whatnot, and the visuals of it all. This this story arc has been insane. So yeah. loving it. X Men Legacy has just been some absolute next level work across yeah. the board. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just again a constant props to to the writer for this because there hasn't been an issue that I have not enjoyed. So, like, I mean, Spurrier is doing such an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm done. Okay, for so reals. with. This week being uh, Wednesday on New Year's Day, we have a very small lineup, just like we did last week. Uh, Marvel brings us Guardians of the Galaxy number 10, New Avengers number 13, Savage Wolverine 13, and Superior Foes of Spider-Man number 7. From DC, we have Damien, Son of Batman number 3. I still haven't tried to read that. I'm scared. Flash number 26, Superman Unchained number 5, and Talon number 14. From our smaller publishers, we actually have some interesting stuff. First of all, we have Manhattan Projects number 17 from Image. First of all, from Boom Studios, we have a new comic, Revelations number 1. It's this uh, weird kind of uh, crime detective story set in the Vatican where, you know, one of the the big bishops is murdered and they bring in a detective who happens to be an atheist to solve the murder. And you're like, okay, in and of itself, interesting. Umberto Ramos is doing that. Oh, dude. Okay, sold. (laughs) Up until then, I was going, "Eh, it might be interesting, but (laughs) that's all it took. And from Dark Horse, we have Bad Blood number one. It's a twist on, you know, your classic vampire story of the this teenager, I think either high school or college, I forget. I think he was a college student, gets bitten by a vampire and finds out that his blood is actually poisonous and decides to uh, use that to his advantage and work on taking down the vampires. What makes this interesting is this is actually written by Jonathan Mayberry. Oh, damn. Because I was just sitting here going, another vampire story? Really? Do we need another one? And once again, I'll have to read it now. Mm-hmm. Dude, and, I went shopping at, and this is props to Jonathan Mayberry and showed just how much I think of his writing. Because my son and I have read his his novels that he's written, the young adult horror, post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. novels and whatnot. And I went to Chapters to buy my son a novel before Christmas. And I'm looking through and like, I mean, you, you walk into a section, the, the teen section, and it's like wall-to-wall vampire this and, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. and. My kid's not into that, so I needed to find something, and I found a cover, and it looked cool. And for the life of me, now I can't remember what it was, but it looked interesting. And it's you know, again, it looked like an apocalyptic kind of story. So I flip it over. The freaking on the back, the recommendation from Jonathan Mayberry, and it was like sold. 
there you go. I don't have to keep looking. <laughs> Boom. My kid started reading, loves it. So props yeah. to him. I've actually read the first two Rotten Ruin books. Yeah. But aside from that, I've read everything else Mayberry has written. Like his uh his techno thriller, his his uh his pure horror stuff. So if anybody can do a unique twist on vampires because he's done it several times now, it's him. Bad blood is definitely on my radar. Yeah, definitely. All right, and that's going to wrap us up here for, like I said, our last show of the year. Hope everybody enjoys their new year. I hope uh, Roger's New Year's resolution is to actually read the comics I give. <laughs> I read them. Obviously, I passed your little rinky-dink test. No, you, 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 did, you, you did me good on this one. This is now two, <laughs> two podcasts in a row. <laughs> you have, you've owned me. I need to, I need to, to come up, up with something here. Step up. all right so as always you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on twitter at cbinformer so until next week thanks for listening 